Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus prayed for his disciples, saying, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Did you follow all that? Eastertide always ends with us ascending with Christ, if you will, into this sort of mystical realm where language begins to fail. This year, we also have in the middle of the seventh Sunday of Easter, a bit of a scandal to our American ears. I don't know if you caught it in that reading from the book of Acts, but it has always made me uncomfortable about them casting lots, basically a lottery, to decide who would take Judah's place among the twelve. We never hear again about Barsabbas, whoever he was, and I feel kind of badly for him. Wasn't it supposed to be a meritocracy, after all? Wasn't the, the best apostle supposed to step forward? It's a bit scandalous to my ecclesiastical or churchly ears as well. You know, we we spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks and months and years 
testing and probing for ministry, particularly for those who are ordained. But even amongst the ministry of the laity, we spend a lot of time in what we call discernment. Wouldn't it seem unfair to take up a lottery to see who would bring up the plates on Sunday? To see who would read from the lectern? To see who would preside at the altar? I'm already quaking in my boots. To see who would be deacon at the door, to see who would lead Sunday school. (laughs) If you ask Rose, though, she might say casting lots might be easier sometimes (laughs) than, than rallying volunteers. How about a lottery for those who lead the stewardship campaign at Church of Our Savior, right? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thought, a lottery for who gets to serve on the vestry who gets to be senior warden. Those of you who are in the know, that's been a struggle for me. Maybe we should cast lots for that. It's a different way of doing business, however prayerfully it was undertaken. And it reminds us of the diversity of experience throughout church history. Building sacred community is less of a science and more of an art form. And that is, in fact, what is going on in today's reading from the Gospel of John. This is not the voice of the historical Jesus, the Palestinian Jew living in the first century. This is the voice of the risen Christ, the Easter Christ, speaking through a small band of followers towards the end of the first century, unpacking the mystical reality that something incredible has happened and the life of this new community is meant to capture that and disclose that to the wider world. James Allison, a Catholic theologian, writes about this and about this time of year. On Thursday, you may have missed it, we celebrated the Ascension here and everywhere in the Western Church. And the ascension is this notion that Jesus has risen into heaven not to go there and leave us abandoned, but actually to draw heaven to us. To draw us, as we said in our prayer at the beginning of today's service, to draw us heavenward, if you will. Because when we think about the heavenly life, life with God, we tend to fall into one of two traps. And in fact, the historical church has done just this, and many other traditions have done this as well. One of the traps is to believe that heaven is so far beyond our grasp that we can never attain it, and it is so far beyond our imaginings that it is only something that we can enter after we die. And so you build a whole religious tradition and a whole set of ethics and practices around guaranteeing where you'll go after you die. How many of you were raised in that tradition? I was. We were picking that up, at the very least, from the cultural waters that we inhabit, at least as Americans and in part as Western Christians. The other trap, 
which we liberal Protestants are very good at, is to create heaven in our own image. We will know heaven when we build the perfect society. Right? How many of you know that trap well? Yeah. Yeah. But Allison says that is not actually what is going on. What is happening is that a new thing, a third thing, if you will, is being created by God in Christ through the Ascension story and through these mystical passages that we hear as we approach the end of Eastertide. That is, a new order is being created. Heaven and earth are no longer separated. Christ brings them together and a new kingdom is being generated. It's disclosed to us in that reading from Acts today that number 12 is important because it is Luke telegraphing to us that a new Israel, a new kingdom, a new way of being with God is unfolding in the life of the early church. And it gets telegraphed to us down the centuries that that new way of being with God is meant to unfold in the midst of Christian community. This is what John is getting at as he unpacks the words of the risen Christ speaking through his community. Towards the first century, he is talking about this new life unfolding, not out there, but within us, beneath us, above us. so that as we approach the end of Eastertide, we enter together what our Celtic ancestors called a thin place. That place where the barrier between life and death, between earth and heaven, between this world and another world, becomes very porous if it doesn't break down completely. That is because of the grace of Christ. One of my mentors, a Tibetan Buddhist, summed up human behavior this way. He said, the quest of our lives is to be seen. To be seen. to be fully seen. He said the people who have come closest to that are our mothers, by and large, and those who mothered us, particularly in those early days of our lives, you know, where they saw us naked and messy and changed us and nursed us and held us close. That notion of motherhood is so powerful that other mystics like Julian of Norwich have talked about the presence of the risen Christ as our mother. And you could say, in a way, our mothers disclose that presence to us this is what John is getting at. 
in these words in today's gospel. He's getting at the fact that Christ sees us as we are, knows us, dwells with us, discloses that powerful image that opened the gospel when John wrote that Christ came and pitched his tent among us, became one of us, abides with us. Most of us spend a good deal of our lives struggling with our need to be seen. Because we live in the world, just as that early Christian community lived in the world. And the world is a place of hard knocks. Where verbility is often treated and abused as weakness. And we had the scars from that. And so we try to hide. My mentor would say, no matter how hard we try, we still communicate that need to be seen. Therapists call it leaking. We leak our desire to be seen, even when we don't want to be. The good news, the gospel, at the end of Easter, is that Christ sees us just as our mothers do and did. And more than that, Christ loves us, even as we are fully seen. Is that good news to you? It's good news to me. It's freeing news. It is that third thing, that new kingdom, that new place to be, where we can step out of all of the ways that the world has scarred us in our vulnerability and step fully into the love that has been planted from before time. And there, we find earth and heaven meet. It's no longer an after-death experience. It's a possibility for us now. Taste and see that the risen Christ is good. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.